0: Log Radio. Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Lawrence Simon, and we're going to do a, an impromptu stories we live by. I say impromptu. I hadn't thought of scheduling this until Monday night when I did the interview with Dr. Zass, and I have to tell you, I flew. Uh, I'm still flying. Um, Zass has been a hero of mine. I've read maybe 25 of his books. I started reading them when I was in graduate school. Uh, he's 85 and still writing. I mean, he seems to write books faster uh, than I change my shirt. It's an amazing man. goes all over the world and speaks. And I wanted to um, spend some time today expanding on some of his ideas if you've listened then i urge you uh if you listen to this show go back and listen to that interview um, actually i'm getting the best response uh for that interview than i've ever had before i don't know it's because it was featured or because it was eight o'clock at night or because a lot of people uh know about Zas, uh or i did it i went to some other websites uh organizations and and uh made them aware, uh, people who like and are aware of Zoss. Uh, but I'm really excited about that part, that there's a real response to all of this. But I wanted to see if I could make it clear. What Zoss said in, in his basic book, uh, The Myth of Mental Illness, is that mental illnesses really don't exist. They are words that are basically moral judgments about behavior, that we don't understand, and behavior that we don't like to see, either in ourselves or others. And that's his basic idea. And I really wanted to spend this half hour, if necessary, I'll even add more time to it, to see if I can make that clearer. Because when I would teach my students this, they would begin to grasp the idea, and then they would say, well, if you don't call it schizophrenia, what do you call it? And so the end of this show, I will try to show you uh, how to deal with giving up these names, uh, these psychiatric names for yourself and others that have led to so much misery. Uh, The assumption then became in the last uh, 15, 16 years that if you were labeled this way, you had a chemical imbalance in your brain, which is totally unfounded, uh, terrible toxic drugs given to people addictive, causing massive weight gain, teeth rotting. I'm not going to go through that. Uh, But a terrible, terrible thing has been going on. Uh, My last book, uh, and I've discussed this on the air, The Death of Democracy because of These Ideas. And uh, Monday, I'm going to do a show uh, discussing why there is no protest, why students aren't rebelling any longer, what happened to the stories of rebellion, and I think that in part relates to this terrible psychiatric story uh, that has been pushed by the medical profession, by psychologists, by social workers, by nurses, uh, and now has been adopted by the public. So let me start by stepping out of, of Zos's framework into my own. I believe that every human being really is always playing two roles. One is that of a scientist. We're constantly trying to figure out how the world works so we can get by and we can do well and we can flourish. Uh, We have to be able to gauge how fast the car is coming towards us as we cross the street. We're trying desperately to understand what foods will keep us healthy and what foods will uh, get us sick. We're trying to get information about ourselves and other people Uh, As a teenager, I was always trying to figure out girls, and I really didn't do a good job of it. And those of my friends who did a better job got laid more often and had better relationships. And it was only until I started figuring out people and myself a little better uh, that things improved for me as well. So we have a scientific function. Forget about scientists having horn-rimmed glasses and being smart people in laboratories. We are all scientists. How do I get my kid to read and do his homework? Uh, I mean, millions of questions we're constantly asking. At the same time, everybody is a moral philosopher. We're always trying to judge those things in our life and in ourselves based on our understanding of them as to whether they're good or bad. So your mother said to you, don't smoke. Probably because she understood that if you do smoke uh, and you get lung cancer, you can die young and discolor your teeth and ruin your health and have bad breath. I remember you when I used to smoke as a teenager, I would wake up in the morning and my breath could peel the paint off a wall. That, by the way, did nothing good for my uh, social life. So we, we judge the things and we judge the people in our life. Uh, we try to figure out... People's intentions are to us and whether then they're good people or bad people whether they're friends or enemies right? so I don't think this is too complicated however we have a way of thinking a universal way of thinking that psychiatry should have understood but didn't that confuses our understanding of the world with our judgments of it now let me give you an example let's say my child doesn't do his homework, or my student doesn't do his homework, doesn't hand in papers, sits in the class slovenly, and I don't understand this behavior. There are really one of two things I can do to understand the behavior. I can try to understand the motivation of the individual, and when I say this, it doesn't mean I have to accept the behavior or not think it's bad behavior. I can do that. But to understand what is going on, I'd have to understand what is the meaning of this behavior. Why is the student not doing their homework? So I can ask the student, and when I became a much better teacher, I used to ask my students. You didn't hand in the assignment what's going on. Well, professor, I hate my homework. Professor, I think this is a shitty course, and I don't want to study for it. I mean, kids were not afraid of me by that time, and they would say that to me. Now, I don't have to like that, but you see, it's a good explanation. Professor, I've been afraid to ask, I don't understand this course. I don't understand the assignment, and therefore I can't do it. Or, you know, Professor, I work after school. I work till midnight every day. I have to help support the family. I don't have time for homework. Now, I can believe this stuff. I can disbelieve this stuff, but it really doesn't matter. At the point at which I understand the motivation of myself or another person, I understand their behavior. I understand why they're doing it. Whether I accept it or reject it is a separate issue. But this is hard to do, and what most of us learn to do is instead use a moral label. So what's the universally moral label that, that teachers use for students who don't do their homework or parents use on kids who don't do their, make their bed, they're lazy. Now, the word lazy is a very interesting word. It doesn't explain anything. What would explain the students not doing the homework are the reasons they give me, particularly if those reasons are true. Lazy, however, creates the illusion that I have an understanding of why that person is doing what they're doing. Lazy creates this idea, and I get a two-for-one job. By saying the person's lazy, I'm putting them down. I'm making the moral judgment about them and their behavior. I'm saying this is bad. It's not good to be lazy in my class. And the second thing I create is the illusion of understanding. Okay? Clear? Let me give you another example. A guy goes in, we're watching in a diner, and a guy goes in, and he has dinner, and he walks out, and he doesn't tip the waitress. And the waitress is all pissed off about this. Do we understand why this guy didn't give the tip? What do we say? I can hear you saying it, even though we're not speaking. He's a cheap bastard. He's cheap. Now, cheap is a good word. Cheap suggests a moral condemnation of his behavior but it also creates the illusion that we understand why this guy didn't do it. So let's say we run after him, and we say to him, you know, you didn't leave the waitress a a, a tip on the table. And he says to us, oh, that's my sister. I don't have to tip her. Or her service was awful, and I'm not going to tip somebody who doesn't give me good service. Or, you know, I'm so embarrassed. I'm going home to get some money so I can tip her. I ordered more than I had money in my wallet to pay, and that's why I didn't do it. Now, which is the scientific and which is the moral? The scientific is the understanding of a person by their behavior and their context of their life and the motives they have, the thoughts and the feelings, the story that guides their actions. But we don't find out about that, and I can give you millions and millions of examples somebody cuts us off on the road what an asshole Well, they didn't see us now I don't have to excuse they're not calling, uh, cutting us off but I have to know that when I make a judgment about somebody I am not understanding them I'm creating the illusion go back to the lazy kid doesn't do his homework he's lazy why is he lazy? he didn't do his homework why didn't he do his homework? he's lazy Do you understand we've just gone around in a circle? We've stuck our head up our own ass, like the famous yutz bird. You know about the yutz bird? The yutz bird is a South American bird that's born with one wing longer than the other, and it takes only one flight. It flies off one day from its peak in the mountains of the Andes, and it flies around into ever-diminishing concentric circles until it disappears up its own asshole. And many of us live our lives. We're taught to live our lives like yachts birds, right? Why didn't he leave a tip? He's cheap. Why is he cheap? He didn't leave a tip. We're going around in circles. Now, somebody tells us that they hear the voice of God. You know, in our country, you're allowed to speak to God. That's called prayer. But if God happens to answer, you're schizophrenic, right? Why is the person schizophrenic? Because they heard God. Why did they hear God? Because they're schizophrenic. What we've done is just gone around in a circle. Now, if there was any evidence whatsoever that there's something wrong in the brain, the genetics, or the body of the person we've now called schizophrenic, Because desperately trying to hear God, they succeeded somehow in getting in their mind God to speak to them. And I'm sure there may be people listening who will get angry at me. Maybe God did speak to them. But then I've always sort of rejected that because I'm as good as those people. God never bothered to speak to me. And actually, if God spoke to me, the first place I would go is to a neurologist to see if I had a tumor in my head because I wouldn't accept that as a religious experience. By the way, by psychiatric standards, Moses and Jesus, Muhammad, all the prophets were schizophrenic. Um, that's another show. In fact, I 'll do a show on, on what are the conditions to hear God uh, uh, get God to speak to you. Now, what we've done is we've moved from the ordinary moral labels. This guy's a schmuck. This guy is a lazy this guy is stubborn, he doesn't listen. We've done that, and now we've moved it into this medical realm, this pseudo-medical bullshit realm, in which we say, if we make a, a, a moral judgment, the moral judgment will at once condemn the person, but we'll pretend it's not a condemnation, but it is, you see? Because it's not good to be labeled with any label for mentally ill. Most of us are terrified at the thought of being called crazy, no matter how fancy the words used by the psychologist or psychiatrist, no matter how fancy those words are, used to call us that name. Now, in the absence of anything medical to explain our behavior, all of these labels are just labels. And they create the illusion of an explanation, but no way do they explain. I may have told you the story about the patient of mine who heard the voice of God, mother of God, speak to her. Uh, desperately alone, born in Korea, beaten as a child, ran away uh, to Seoul. Uh, By the time she was a young teenager, she was a prostitute. What else was she going to do to to live her life, uh, to to survive? She couldn't survive at home. She's out on the street, um, ignorant, uneducated, barefoot, basically, Married a soldier, brings her to the United States, immediately abandons her upon landing in New York. And in New York, what does she know to do? She turns to prostitution, gets involved with drugs, has AIDS. She's now dying. She's alone. And suddenly, Mother the Mary of God speaks to her. When she told me this, I said, what took her so long? What took her so long to speak to you? I I want to understand that. And she looked at me as if I was crazy because she had been told she was schizophrenic. Only a schizophrenic would understand, well, I'm sorry, if any of us are in that condition, that alone, that frightened, that terrified, might we not call upon God and in our desperation believe that we've heard God? Or maybe under those circumstances, God and the Mother of God actually does respond. Well, she followed the vision of the Mother of God right onto the East River Drive in New York where she was hit by a car. And as she told me, the next year she spent in the hospital, but in the psychiatric wing of the hospital, she recovered from the injuries, although her hand was paralyzed. Um, and and uh, she said it was the best year of her life. Why? She wasn't raped. She wasn't beaten. She was well fed. She had a nice bed, and it was warm. And she said she hoped she could die in the hospital uh, of, her, of her AIDS because she really didn't want to have to go out on the street. Now, by the way, that's not an unusual story. It's an unusual for most of us who don't go crazy. And when people do go crazy, it's because they're motivated. They're motivated usually by the most desperate of circumstances, terror, loneliness, uh, uh, powerlessness. And unfortunately, much of the world is set up that way, and many of my listeners... Uh, We've all had experiences in which our behavior becomes something we would not. But to understand it, we have to not do the label. The label doesn't help. A woman comes to me some years ago, very creative and interesting. Why are you here? I'm weird. I have weird thoughts. Well, can you tell me what the thoughts are? They're weird. She's not going to... It took me three months for her to tell me what the thoughts were. And the thoughts were not usual thoughts. I've never had those thoughts, but it didn't matter. Once we understood what the thoughts were, that they were her attempt at adapting to her life, that they had rich, full meaning to them, she stopped calling herself weird. She stopped calling herself names. And this is one of the things I try to teach anybody who ever comes to me. Stop calling your friends, your lovers, and yourself these names you're stupid you don't listen to me you're stubborn why are you stubborn because you don't listen to me you don't listen to me because you're stubborn get your head out of your ass and understand that when you call somebody stubborn or stupid let me talk about stupid stupid is such a great word nobody knows how the human mind works how much is two and two I'm sure if you're listening, you instantly said four. How do you know that? You know, the fact is, nobody knows how we know. The four comes into our mind, but the processing of two and two is automatic. It's unconscious. Why does one person learn math faster than another? Well, is it possible it's motivation? Is it possible there's a different mechanism in the brain? It's all possible, but we really don't know. So, the person who learns it fast, we say, is intelligent. Why are they intelligent? Because they learn quickly. Why do they learn quickly? Because they're intelligent. Pull your head out of your ass. You're going around in a circle. The person who can't learn, they're stupid. And when people say to me of themselves, I'm stupid, my heart breaks. What do you mean you're stupid? Well, I don't learn things quickly. Okay, learn them slowly. Well, you know we have a school system in which you're not supposed to learn slowly. Slowly means you're stupid. You see? And stupid is a judgment. It diminishes us. It destroys us. It hurts us. Psychologists have worked out intelligence tests. Right? If you do well on the questions they ask you're intelligent. Why did you do well? Because you're intelligent. Why are you intelligent? Because you did well. We've just gone around in a circle. We really haven't explained anything. If Dr. Zass is admired and respected, and I look at his books and I say, How did he ever write that? Well, I don't know how he wrote that stuff. Oh, he's a genius. What does the word genius explain? He writes difficult books that nobody thought of, so he's a genius. Why did he write the books? Because he's a genius. We've gone around in a circle. We don't understand these processes. And unless we really understand ourselves and others, we really have difficulty fixing and explaining and doing something purposeful and good about the problems that we actually have. And thus, psychiatry is nothing more than a whole series of moral labels a whole series of judgments. I'll give you one of my favorites. There are certain diagnoses that are killers. If you've been diagnosed bipolar disorder, you're going to be on four or five drugs that are going to rot out your brain. If you've been diagnosed schizophrenic, no one is ever going to take you seriously again, and by the time they finish with you, you won't take yourself seriously. And one of the most horrible things is when somebody starts to call themselves these names, not just lazy, stupid, stubborn, but schizophrenic and bipolar. One of the worst is is, um, borderline personality disorder. Give me a break. Most of the borderlines in the world are women. And most of the women who are labeled borderline have been sexually abused. They've been violated. I don't know how many, but a lot. Maybe not most, but a lot. And they don't trust people. So we say they're borderline. Why should they trust? Well, I'm trustworthy. They should trust me. How do they know that? Don't you have to earn someone's trust? And is it possible if we're hurt very badly in life, we will never trust anyone again? Is that possible? It explains it. It does explain it. But it doesn't accept it because I feel bad for anybody who can't trust who can't open themselves up to new experiences because the fact of the matter is it makes life terribly lonely and terribly confused but the calling the person borderline adds nothing so what are we then talking about what are we labeling what we're labeling is one kind a kind of behavior that has two qualities to it one it's unwanted somebody doesn't want the behavior or the speech, or the thought pattern. Somebody doesn't want it. It may be us. It may be somebody else. It may be society at large. Now, a lot of behaviors are unwanted. Bank robbing is unwanted. But we don't call bank robbers necessarily mentally ill. A lot of psychiatrists would like to, but we won't let them get away with that. What we call them is criminal. Why? Because we understand that when somebody robs a bank, the motive is to get the money. We can condemn them for this, and we call them criminal. And by the way, when you call them a criminal, don't think you can explain the behavior, and we do that too. They robbed the bank, they're a criminal. Why did they rob the bank? Because they're a criminal. Again, our head went up our ass, and we're going around in a circle like the Yutzburg. It explains nothing. And in explaining the bank robber, I don't want to... Condone the bank robber. I don't want to condone vicious, bad, criminal behavior, but I'm a psychologist, I'm a scientist, and I want to understand these things, and I do believe that the better we can understand these behaviors, the better we can prevent them, the better we can stop them from happening. What happens with, with uh, the psychiatric term We see behavior that's unwanted, people who don't work, they don't wash, they sit on the edge of the bed and they cry for three weeks, they wash their hands 400 times a day until the skin falls off. We see all kinds of unwanted behavior, but we don't understand the motive. We don't understand why they're doing that because it's out of our understanding, it's out of our ken. We can imagine robbing a bank, but we can't imagine washing our hands 400 times, or standing in front of a closet and taking two hours to pick out a shirt. This is behavior that is unwanted. It's not acceptable, see? But it's also not explainable, and so now we use the word it's crazy. I'd like you to spend the next few days thinking about whenever you use the word crazy, and I think you will see that whenever you call yourself crazy or any psychiatric term that is the synonym for crazy, because that's all it means, you're crazy, what you've said is, I'm behaving, I'm thinking, and I'm speaking, or that other person is behaving, thinking, or speaking in a way that for one reason or another it's unacceptable. It's disgusting, but it's not criminal, see. Or it's dangerous to themselves, or it's dangerous to others. I mean, why does this guy continue smoking after the doctor told him? that he has precancerous uh, signs in his trachea or in his throat. He must be crazy. No, we don't explain anything by saying that. We simply condemn. And so I want you to think about that. Whenever you use the word crazy, I must be crazy, you must be crazy, that what you have is a situation where somebody has done something, said something, shown an emotion that is unacceptable to you and or themselves. But at the very same time, the very same time, you really don't understand how can they do that. And we'll often say of this person, it makes no sense what they're doing. It makes no sense. To whom does it not make sense? You or the person doing it. And what we do under that circumstance in our society is bring them off to a psychiatrist or a clinical psychologist or social worker and we give them some label that we pretend has something to do with medicine, when in fact it has nothing at all to do with medicine. What we're dealing with is a moral, existential, social, political, economic situation. What we're dealing with is a person who is in over their head in the circumstances of their life, or was and now has adapted behavior that towards us that is inappropriate given the situation it comes from, and we don't understand it and we don't like it, and so we call it crazy. And that is what Dr. Sass taught me and what I was able to use to build my understanding. Now, let me tell you something. Anybody who hears this, if you stop using these labels about yourself, your family, your girlfriend's, and ask people instead, why do they do that? What do they feel when they're doing that? What were they thinking? Ask them to tell the story of their life. You tell yourself the story of your life. Your life changes. I really do believe that 90% of the psychiatric miseries in the world are because of these labels we use on ourselves and others. My child doesn't listen to me. He's a brat. Why doesn't he listen to me? Because he's a brat. Why is he a brat? because he doesn't listen to me. You've gone around in a circle. Get your head out of your ass. Get your head out of your psychiatrist or so your shrink's ass. Okay. And at the same time, free yourself from that, and your life can be very different. I have three minutes left. I want to do something else, and I let, it, took, it took more time than I wanted to do. If you ever go to a psychiatrist, and he says... You have a chemical imbalance. These are the questions you have to ask. Write this down. Doctor, what chemical is in, in imbalance? Doctor, what test did you use on me to show that I have a medical condition of that imbalanced chemical? Doctor, what are the normal levels of that chemical? And then, Doctor, how low does your chemical imbalance have? be That chemical have to be for you to start to show the depression or the hand-washing, or whatever other, other behavior you've been so-called diagnosed with. And insist on this. And if you can't get an answer to that, you see, what you're then get getting is a drug. I'd like to legalize marijuana along with alcohol, as it is legal, and let people grow their own pharmacy and their own house in their own basement and if they really want to fuck themselves up with drugs, let them use their own drugs. Not have to pay $5 a pill to the pharmacy company and the psychiatrist because they've been given some toxic brew that they're told is going to fix the brain when, in fact, all it does is create a chemical imbalance, which if you like the results, you'll use it again. And if you don't, you'll hate it, you see. But you are not taking a medicine, you're just taking a goddamn drug. And thus, I'm going to stop. The, uh, mental illness is a myth. Yes, hallucinations are real. Yes, the suffering is real. The hand-washing is real. All of the things that people do that get them labeled psychiatrically, they're real. They all exist, the behavior, but they're not medical conditions. They are moral labels that block understanding rather than increase understanding. Well, I don't know how many people are here. Nobody called in. Uh, I have the chat on. Nobody wrote me anything. So, I feel better. I feel better for having said it. I say it over and over. I just say it to anybody who will listen because I really do think this is so important to understand the stories. Uh, that we live by, and change them where they're necessary. I will see you all, I hope, uh, on Monday, next, this Monday at 4 o'clock, where I will discuss rebellion and why there's so little of it in our very sad, winding-down culture. This is Dr. Simon signing off. Thank you.